We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. And uh, Brother Sam, I'm going to do my best not to pace up here. I'm a pacer, so I know he, he gets on me about that. Uh, I'd just like to, uh, to first start off by uh, just... Having everybody stand. I was listening on the way home last night <clears throat> to Cody Carnes, the song Nothing Else. And I just want to thank God for his presence and thank God for just us being in his presence. And so let's just do that together real fast. Father, thank you so much for all the times that you, you, that you just give us your presence, that you're here with us, God, that you just let us feel you. God, let me, let me just savor those moments. I apologize for any time that I just go through the motions and that I just, I just get up and do the things that I do just because it's a check in the box. God, I want to be in your presence. I want to thank you for your presence. While I need things from you, I'm not coming to you asking for things. I'm coming to you just so you, just, just to praise you, just to worship you. And God, to usher your presence into this place and to, uh, and to, Worship and glorify you today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, thank you. You can be seated. If this iPad will unlock, we will be just doing cooking with gas. So I had, had a little thought come to me. Actually, this, was, this, this thought came to me probably almost a year ago. I was in prayer meeting. I was sitting right over here, standing right over here, and God brought this thought to me. And I've, I've uh, brought it to another group of people. I've never taught it here. Every time I think I'm going to get to teach it here, something else happens, and God changes, changes directions. But this one, you know, I, I said the last time I got up that uh, I'm eventually going to get to teach this one. So here, here we go on this one. And this is about our state with God. So a lot of times... As, we're, as we are trying to draw close to God, especially those of us who might uh, be uh, not, not living the life or not living the life we think we need to live, we always have that excuse. Well, I'm going to come, I'm going to get right, and I'm going to come to God after this thing, after the prison sentence, after the court case, after the divorce, after I'm out of this job. When I give up smoking, <laughs> when I quit drinking, uh, that's, that's when I'm going to come to God. And we've always got, we've always got excuses, you know. Um, I've got I've to get this right in my life before God will accept me before I can come to God. Well, I'm just going to tell you, God, my God is a merciful God. He's a gracious God. He doesn't want you to wait. He doesn't, he doesn't need you to fix anything he wants you to accept him and let you let him in your life to fix things. He's gracious. He's gracious. He's merciful, and he's just amazing. So in John chapter four, this is not one of my verses. Just uh, this, is just some thoughts. We see Jesus talking to a woman who'd been married five times and was currently living with somebody else. Uh, so. You know, her, her life was not the typical religious life of somebody else. You know, she'd been around the block a few times, 
Uh, she had some mileage on her. She had some things that needed to be fixed in her life. And uh, she was talking to God. And Jesus offered her that living water right where she was in her sin, in her, in her uh, debauchery. Jesus offered her that. And she believed. And she was the launch of his ministry there. She went out into the town and told people, hey, y'all aren't going to believe this guy I just met. He, he knew everything about me, and he still loved me. Yeah. And, uh, and the people in the town listened to her and came to listen to Jesus. And later on, it said they believed not because of what she had said, but because of their, of their interaction with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then uh, over in John chapter 8, we see another story where a woman had been caught in adultery with a man. And the religious leaders trying to trip Jesus up brought her to him and said, okay, the law says this, what do you say? And Jesus didn't say anything. He just reached down in the sand or in the dirt or whatever it was. He was, he was kneeling in. It was in the street. And he just started writing. And, you know, we've all heard 17,000 things that he might have been writing, the other people's sins, the law, whatever it was. We don't know what he was writing. But when he looked up, all of the woman's accusers had disappeared. And he said, hey, where'd they go? And she said, they're not here. uh, Are they going to condemn you? He said, no. He said, well, I don't condemn you either. Go your way and sin no more. So as as we see this, over and over in Jesus' ministry, we see that he chose to be with sinners. He, he chose to be with people that needed him. He didn't choose to come to church and be with the religious people. Matter of fact, most of the interactions he had with the, quote, good people were sort of negative. Uh, you know, it was church people that got him crucified. So you don't have to be perfect to have a relationship with God. Matter of fact, sometimes when you're starting that relationship with God, it's, uh, it's going to be more in your benefit just to come to him and say, hey, here I am. I know I'm dirty. I know I stink. I know I've got these things going on in my life, but Jesus, I need you. And he'll fix that. He'll come, he'll come into your life and start changing those things instead of you having to change anything. I'm sorry. Doug, it is so good to see you. I'm so happy to see you here, my friend. Over in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, it reads, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And then if you move over to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And then moving back to Revelation, if, if you're in your Bible, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm bouncing all over the place here, but she's got it on the screen for us. Revelation 22, uh, for those of you who know anything about the Bible, that's sort of like the last page. <laughs> all right. Verse 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come. 
And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. There's no charge for it. It's, it's there. It's for us. And then uh, we're going we're gonna to stop with the verses here after this one. Romans 5 and 8. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. I mean, that just, that just hits me that while he was on the cross, he looked out 2,000 plus years and saw me. Saw this dirty thing, this, this guy who had so many problems going on, who had things hanging over his head that were just crazy. And he saw me and he said, you know what? I'm dying for you, Rodney. Amen. And for each one of you, he, he did the same thing. He looked at you. He loves you. He wants you to be with him for eternity. So since we know that God is ready and willing to take us, just the way we are, where we are, what, what are we doing about it? Like Brother Rusty always says, we're all on the same road. We're just on different milestones, different path, different places. Right. So where are we in relation to God? So here's one thing that, that just that sort of blew my mind when I thought about it is that all roads lead to God. And if you're, if you're thinking, well, some people are on a road that is leading directly the other direction. Well, that's the great thing about that road is it's leading that other direction, but it goes back that way too. And so every road that we're on, we have the option to, uh, to get on a different road. So the title of my uh, little lesson today after all that is simply P-R-N-D-L. It doesn't say anything. All of us have seen this all of our lives, anybody that drives anyway, sitting right up on top of your steering wheel or over on the, over where your gear shift is, P-R-N-D-L. So there was this guy that, uh, that got a brand new BMW, and he didn't know much about cars, and he had this, this great car, and it was, it was fast. And so uh, he's had it for a couple of days, and he brings it back to the dealership and said, hey, something is wrong with this car. The dealer's like, well, it's brand new. What, what can be wrong with it? He says, well, during the day it drives just fine. At night it doesn't go anywhere. Like, what? What are you talking about? So he got it. And so uh, he says, yeah, when I put it in night mode, I just press the gas and nothing happens. <laughs> and so the dealership had to explain to him the way the neutral and, and drive work. You know, so daytime it works just fine, but at night it wasn't doing so well. So he's gone a couple of weeks and he comes back and the car is a smoking heap on top of a wrecker. And the dealer's like, well, what happened to your car? He said, man, I was driving along and somebody came up beside me and they revved their engine and wanted to race and I dropped that thing down into race mode and it just fell apart. <laughs> All right. So, so, uh, so the rest of the title of my message is you're on the right track, but what gear are you in? So I'm going to take each one of these, each one of these gears and talk a little bit about some people that have, that have been in these gears. So first, we're starting with the P, so park. So P stands for park. Park means you ain't going anywhere, <laughs> all right? 
you have to have something broken for you to break the tires loose on, on par. Or you have to have something lift you up woo, <laughs> to get you moving if you're in park. All right? So um, there's this dude named Asa. He was a king uh, back in Judea. And we're going to find him in Second Chronicles chapter 14 through 16. Again, I'm not going to have that up on the screen. Just know that Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles 14 through 16 talks about Asa. Now, Asa was... Uh, he was a, a, an interesting story because God did amazing things with Asa. When Asa became king, uh, he, the Bible tells us he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And he had, he had many years, 10 years of, of kingship that were just spotless and, and uh, blemish-free. And Judea wasn't the biggest nation in the world, wasn't a tiny nation, and the Ethiopians were coming in, and they were going to overrun Judea and take everything that was there. And Asa cried out to God, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have this memorized, but God, you know what? I can't do anything. There, this, this force against me is so big that there's nothing that I can do about it. But God, these things don't matter to you. It doesn't matter how big things are, how little things are. You can work through anything that you want to work through to deliver us. And God delivered the nation of Israel from that million-plus person army of the Ethiopians. And, uh, you know, Israel was in love with God. They committed themselves to God. They tore down the majority of the idols and the shrines. He even kicked out his grandmother because she had built a, uh, she had built a shrine to an idol. And his, his kingdom was going great, and it was going well, and it prospered, and he got rich, and he got, he got fat and happy and confident in himself, and he didn't need miracles from God. And so then the Syrians came against him, yeah. and he went over and, uh, and made a bargain because he had the money. He didn't even ask God, what should I do, God? God, help me. God, what? I need you. He just said, hey. I can buy my way out of this. So he went over and he got an army and, and they, they sort of uh, routed the Assyrians. But the, the prophet came to him and said, look, because you didn't even think to ask God, God would have, put, God would have completely wiped out the Assyrians. But since you didn't even ask, they're always going to be a thorn in your side. And so they continually had war after that. And we see the end of Asa's life. Uh, and matter of fact, Asa got mad at that prophet and threw him in jail. He said, hey, I don't want to hear this, this stuff. Uh, I'm self-reliant. I can take care of any problem that I have. So we see the end of his life. He has this horrible foot disease and ends up dying from his foot disease. Don't know what that was, but he ends up dying. And he refused to ask the Lord for help. The Bible tells us instead he relied only on the physicians. And so even though there have been miracles in his life, even though God had done tremendous things and, and he had been a great mover for God, he put himself in park and wouldn't even budge an inch even when his life depended on it. And uh, that's, that's typically what we see of the person in park. They've been, a, they've been an instrument of God. They've been in church. They've been worshiping. They've been on the teams. They've been doing all the right things. God's worked great miracles in their lives. But for whatever reason, 
They said, okay, I've seen it all. I've had enough. I know how this works. I can do it. If it's going to get done, I can do it. And they'd sit on, they either stop coming to church completely or they sit on the, on the pews and just in park. And the only way that you're going to move them is if something breaks yeah. or if, if something lifts them up and gets, the, gets that friction yeah. off the surface, then that's the only way you're going to reach that person. Yeah. All right. So uh, if you're in park, man, let something break in you. Let something break in you so that you can be used again, so that you can rely on God, so that you can trust God again. Next up, we have reverse. And uh, this is the person who is, you know, all roads lead to God. They're going that way. <laughs> all right. So uh, in the Bible, the whole book of Jonah, all, ch- all four chapters of it is an example. Well, most of the four chapters is an example of somebody who's in reverse. God told Jonah, say, hey, go talk to Nineveh. Jonah's like, hey, peace out, God. I ain't going over there. Those people are crazy. Uh, It ain't happening. So he hops on a ship. We all know that story. (laughs) The storm comes, and all the people on the ship, you know, they're they're throwing everything over. They're throwing all the goods over. They're throwing all the tackle over, all their navigation equipment, anything that's going to help them. Uh, if after the storm is over, they've already gotten rid of. And finally, they're, all of them had different gods. And finally, they're like, okay, somebody's made their god mad. And it turns out that it was Jonah, and he said, just throw me over the edge, and it'll go well for you. So they threw him over, and, and the storm went away for everybody else on the ship. And God sent a big fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the fish for, for three days, and then the fish throws him up on the shore, and he sort of, uh, you know, that's his reverse mode. And he got, he got over that and went and, uh, went and talked to the people of Nineveh. And the people of Nineveh, the king, made even the animals fast. I mean, that's a heck of a fast right there when, when you're even making your cow. Like, look, you can't have any hay today. Uh, <laughs> so, so for three days they were fasting, the whole nation, and God changed his mind about them he spared them and you know what Jonah felt about that anger he's like that's why I didn't want to come talk to these people because I knew you would forgive them I knew you would have mercy on them and he got up and and had a little pity party and um, that's sort of the way the story ends where God's like listen you know what you need to get over yourself there's a whole bunch of people here that got saved through the words that you said but if you find yourself in reverse, um, that's not the worst gear to be in. You're running away from God, but God can always find you. All right? God can always bring you to him. So just stay receptive. Next up, I think, is the most dangerous gear out there is neutral. Neutral, just like in your car. If you put your car in neutral in the parking lot before you walk in here today, you might want to just go ahead and go out there and check and see where it's at. All right, because if you're on a hill, uh, you're at the bottom of the hill. If uh, if somebody pushes it, it's going to move, and so that's that's just the way that that we would be in neutral. You know, we're we're not really running from God. We're not moving towards God. We just sort of let the wind blow. Let us go where let let us go wherever the wind takes us. All right, and that's a dangerous person because they have no real convictions. That whatever, you know, whatever goes this way, yeah, I'm, I'm going over there. And then something else just pushes you back over here. 
And so the person I found in the Bible that was most like that was Samson. You find Samson's story in Judges chapters 13 through 16. And Samson was an interesting case. We all, yeah, well, I don't know about we all, but I all <laughs> in Sunday school uh, growing up, man, Samson was my hero. Samson was, you know, the, the hair, you know, he had hair like mine. No, I'm saying he, he didn't have hair like mine. Uh, but he was, you know, he, he killed the enemy. He was, at, at the end, he was uh, greatly used by God in the last day of his life. Uh, had the biggest, uh, the biggest payoff for God of, of the whole uh, entirety of his life. But he was a scoundrel. He was a, a gift from God. So all you parents that have that little miracle child, uh, watch out for that one. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but he was a gift from God because uh, uh, his parents couldn't have kids. And the angel came and said, hey, you're going to have a kid. And, they, and the angel told them that they had to... Sac they had to uh, not sacrifice, consecrate him all the days of his life and that a razor would never come up on his head and that he would be a Nazarite from birth. Well, the Nazarite vow, anybody could take the Nazarite vow as a Jew. And all it meant was, hey, I'm going to make a vow to God and I, there was a price to pay. And then when I make that vow, I'm going to shave my head. And until that vow is fulfilled, no razor shall come up on my head. I won't drink anything from the vine. I won't eat any grapes. And I have to follow more strict rules than everybody else. I'm a, I'm a more holy person. I'm a more righteous person than everybody else. Well, Samson didn't really embody that lifestyle a whole lot. We find that, uh, that Samson liked the girls, and, and he didn't like the Jewish girls. <laughs> he, he liked the girls that God said, don't mess with. Uh, and so he found one girl, and he's like, Dad, that girl makes me happy, and go get her for me. And his dad said, ah, you, sh you sure you can't find some nice Jewish girl? And he's like, I said she makes me happy, go get her. And so his dad like, goes over and... Uh, and arranges for him to be married to this, uh, this girl. And he goes there. And on the way, you know, as, as an Israelite, just to be clean, just to be ceremonially clean, you can't touch anything dead. But as a Nazarite, it got even worse. I mean, you couldn't even go to your parents' funerals. Uh, you couldn't arrange their body or anything. Just anything dead was horrible. So on the way there, he finds a lion laying by the roadside. And inside the lion, bees had built a, a, a nest or a hive, and there was honey in there. And he reached in and grabbed some honey inside this dead lion, and he tasted it, and it was great. And not only that, he went and gave it to his parents and said, hey, taste this honey, it's awesome. And they had no idea that they were defiling themselves as well. So he was defiling himself, and, uh, and then he was bringing, he's bringing his parents down with him. And when they get to the, uh, the place where the girl is, there's a lot of drinking and partying going on. Well, Nazarites can't have anything from the vine. Well, he's, he's ignored that. He's a party animal. He's got dudes. He's got friends. And then, uh, you know, things happen, and his, uh, his betrothed ends up getting betrothed to somebody else, and that makes him mad, and so he burns down some fields, and they come after him, and he slays a few hundred people with the jawbone of a jawbone of a donkey. And, you know, things are going on. And then... His old weakness comes back. Wow, Delilah. 
So he's like, I got to have Delilah. And so he, he flirts with it. And people, that's something that happens in your life. It's very easy not to ever get in trouble if you don't put yourself in position to get in trouble. All right? So if you're, if you're talking to that girl or that guy or whatever, and it's a relationship that shouldn't be there, if you just wouldn't talk to them, it wouldn't be a problem, especially if you never get alone with them. You don't ever have to worry about these things. But if you, if you flirt with it, you're like, oh, I can handle it. I'm a good guy or I'm a good girl. I can handle this. And you just start flirting and flirting and flirting with that disaster, with, with falling over the edge, you're, you're going to fall over the edge. You're going to get pushed because you, you may be in neutral there. And so we, we know that uh, Delilah tried to trick him into his secret of how he was so strong and he lied to her a few times, and finally he told her the truth that, hey, if a razor comes on my head, then, uh, then I'll be as weak as any other man. And so he woke up, and he shook himself like he always did before, like, ah. You know how, how sometimes when you're, when you're not following God the way you should be, and you come to church, and you're like, oh, I'll just get in the presence of God real fast. Well, he tried that, and the presence of God wasn't there for him. And it cost him his, his eyesight. And they, they plucked his eyes out. It cost him his freedom. He was in prison. It cost, him, uh, it cost him everything. He was grinding grain just like any of the other animals in, in that barnyard. And then they would bring him out to parties at show and tell. Like, hey, look, <laughs> that dude over there, that used to be Samson. Look, he's grinding our grain now. He would go poke fun at him, go do these things. And I don't know... Um, I don't think it was just the haircut. It was about the presence of the Lord. It was about the attitude. But if it was about the, the haircut, those Philistines were stupid. Because the last verse in that, in that little story before we get to what happened at the end is, and then his hair began to grow. Man, if I, if I caught a Samson and I shaved his hair and I was able to subdue him, there ain't ever going to be a speck of hair on that man. <laughs> I'm going to shave his toes. <laughs> All right. uh, but his hair began to grow. And again, God could do this without the hair. It wasn't about the vow that he took. It was about when he reached out and said, God, just use me one more time. Let me feel your presence yeah. one more time. Yeah. And then he was, able to, uh, he was able to do things that were mightier than anything that he had done in his life previously. Next up, we get into the letter D, drive. This is where hopefully most of us are. <clears throat> when we're in drive, we're engaged. We're moving forward. Right. We're, we're moving towards a goal. Now, some of us, uh, I know some people in here with some heavy feet. Um, I know some people in here that don't have heavy feet. Their, their foot might be on the brake more than it is on the gas. Uh, but you, we may be going at different speeds. I mean, we may be racing towards a goal, or we might just be rolling out of a parking place. <laughs> Whatever it is, we're in drive. We've got direction. We're moving forward. So uh, the, the person I thought about when I was looking at, uh, at what would be an example of drive was the Apostle Paul. In 2 Timothy 4 and 7, he tells us, I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. So we see that he had been in drive, and we see through some of his struggles, man, that guy had 
some tough times. At one point, and again, I'm not going to quote this, and I didn't write it down, but we see that at one time he was talking about the tribulations that he had gone through. He's talking about how many times he had been beaten, how many times he had been shipwrecked, how many times he had been uh, cast, of, cast at sea uh, for days and nights, how many times he had gone hungry. How many times, the, the time that he actually got stoned and was left for dead, probably was dead, and then came back and, and preached to those people again. I mean, the man had to have some low times in his life. He had to have some times that he was just creeping along. And he, he made it through. He finished his course. He, he did a good fight. So uh, I want to be like that. I always want to be moving forward. I always want to want to have the spirit of God in me. I want to be able to be used by God and to, uh, to minister to others and to be a witness to others. And so sometimes just being that witness isn't about going up and say, hey, have you heard about Jesus? That's, to some people, that's almost like, hey, I wanted to talk to you about your car's warranty. Uh, <laughs> all right. So if you come to some people and say, hey, have you heard about Jesus? They're like, oh, Lord, <laughs> how do I hang up the phone call? Um, so, but... But you can be that person. You can be that person that has a smile. That when something comes along and just hits you in the face, that you smile and say, thank you, Jesus. And the people around you are like, wow, what is it about that dude that I need? What is it that he's got that I don't have? And so that's sometimes how you witness. You can witness to people in a profound way without ever saying a word to them. And let them see the Jesus in you. There's, there's an old saying. It's cliche, but it's so true. It's like, you may be the only Bible that some people get to read. So think about that the next time you're on a job and you smash your finger. Uh, what words come out of your mouth? Thank you, Jesus. I have nine more of these. <laughs> if you're on a job and you slice your... Never mind. <laughs> um, Sorry, there's, there's somebody sitting in here who had a job injury with a slicing instrument. <laughs> Live by the sword, die by the sword, right? So uh, just think about, think about uh, the image you portray. Just know that you're an ambassador of Christ. And just like if, if uh, uh, one of my favorite stories of Ronald Reagan is when he uh, thought he had a dead mic. And he was uh, getting ready for a press conference, and he's like, I just want to let y'all know that we just uh, launched some nuclear bombs towards Russia, and uh, <laughs> nobody was listening, right? Except he had a live mic, and that, that accidentally got, uh, got put out there. So just when you think nobody's looking at you, when nobody's listening, the words you say, the actions that you take can have the biggest impact. And you wouldn't want a, a representative of you, of your organization, of your nation, of whatever you were dealing with. You wouldn't want that to be the image they portray. So just keep that in mind, uh, that, that you can witness without ever saying a word. And hopefully all of us have a great witness. Always go, uh, always make sure that you're doing what is right, being drive and moving forward. And then finally, this last one. The L. Most modern cars don't have an L listed on the uh, on the gear uh, indicators, but they still got them. You got the little paddle shifters, or you can click it over a couple of more times. Whatever. You're still getting into those low gears. But low excites me the most. 
Because as I'm in drive, I'm on the streets, I'm on the highway, I'm in the parking lot, everything is going great. I may not be going fast, but I'm not really having a lot of uh, struggle. I'm not having obstruction. But man, when I get into a bind, when I get into something that's causing me problems, that's causing me to like, oh, I'm just not going anywhere. It's in drive. I can't go anywhere. Man, if you drop that down into low and get in tune with God and ask God, say, hey, God, I'm still your guy. I still need you. I still love you. I need some help. I can't do this by myself. I need you to come into my life and help me through this problem. And, man, you drop that gear shift into low, and it changes the gear ratio. And those tires just start to dig in, and you move forward, and you move past what you got. And so the uh, person I thought about that was with, with Abraham in the Bible. And Abraham, as you know, he was a friend of God. But God gave him some promises. God gave us awesome promises last week. How many of you are here for, <clears throat> for Brother Rusty's uh, great message last week of uh, let God be the author? <laughs> Man, I've been waiting all week for my answers. <laughs> all whole week. I mean, it's been a week, and I had not gotten some of them. <laughs> but, so Abraham, you know, he had some going for 20 years. God said, hey, don't worry, I'm going to do this. And then when he took it into his own hands, that wasn't the right thing to do. And God said, hey, I told you to trust me. It's sort of like that, uh, like that I saw a T-shirt the other day that said, listen, if a man tells you he's going to do something, he's going to do it. You don't have to remind him every six months. <laughs> All right? <laughs> so... So um, that's, that's sort of where Abraham was. Um, and the Apostle Paul writes about him in Romans. We think it was the Apostle Paul. People are, people are yesy about that. So Romans 4, chapter, six, uh, Romans chapter 4, verses 16 through 19, uh, tells us about... I think I had that somewhere. Sorry, Sister Carla, I know I didn't put this on my list. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace to end the promise. Up to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations before him who, whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they are. Now, this is talking about Abraham, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So when God gives you a promise, that's a promise. God doesn't lie. He doesn't go back on his word. When he tells you he's going to take care of something, he's going to take care of it. You know, we're like little kids sometimes. we Forget little kids. We're like our dogs sometimes. How many of you are dog people? I'm a dog person. I love my dog. Have a new cat. Yes, you'll ask for me for the cutest picture ever when you see my cat. Uh, but my dog would eat five pounds of chocolate if I let her. <laughs> All right? 
she, she joneses after chocolate. If I have chocolate somewhere, I have to be careful because my dog will eat it. And I can't let my dog eat chocolate. And it makes her happy to eat chocolate. I can't let her because it's not good for her. It's going to hurt her. It's going to kill her. So sometimes, as, as just like our dogs are, that's how we are. We want that chocolate. <laughs> God, please give me the chocolate. I'll be, a good, I'll be a good whatever I am. Give me the chocolate. Give it to me. And sometimes we don't get it because that chocolate's bad for us. Right. It's going to kill us in the end. It's going to hurt us. It's, at the very least, it's going to make us sick, make us weak, make us less than what we can be. And so sometimes when you're, when you're praying for things, you're praying, God, give me that chocolate. And God is a good father, as a, as a, as a savior, as a, as a lover of humans, as, as your dad can't let you have that chocolate. <laughs> and so sometimes when you're, when you're asking for those things, think about it another way. Think about it. God, I know I want the chocolate, but I know that you're going to give me what I need. I know you're going to give me the nourishment. You're not going to hold back the begging strips. <laughs> you're going to give me what's good for me. You're going to give me what I need. And I know I want the chocolate, and if it's in your will, give me the chocolate. But if it's not in your will, if it's going to be something that's not good for me, something that's going to hurt me, give me the begging strips. <laughs> All right? Give me, give me something else. Don't give me the chocolate. Because what I can't do, I can't have gone through all the things that I've gone through just to fall back into, into the places that I have been in my life. I always want to move forward and stay anchored in, in my faith, in my Christianity, in my relationship with God. I don't want to do anything that's going to hamper my relationship with God. All right. So, again, we're all on the right track. What gear are you in? Do you need help changing your gear? Do you need help for God to come to you and to tell you what gear you need to be in. Do you need to be in low because you're in a, you're in a muddy place? Do you need to be in drive because it's smooth sailing right now? We need to get out of neutral. We need to stay away from reverse. And if you're in park, you need something to break you, something to lift you up. And to get you back into the presence of God and into the direction that you need to be going. So as we, as we go into this 11 o'clock service today, let's just keep our hearts and our minds open. Let's, let's pray that we're going in the direction that God wants us to go in and that, uh, that this anointed word that our pastor is going to preach today reaches every person here and, and every person gets something that they need from this word. So if y'all join me in one more prayer and we're going we're gonna to be dismissed and, and man, we're going to be ready for this 11 o'clock service. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that we've had together. Thank you so much for the, for the word that you have given us. Thank you so much for the direction that we're leading today. God, I pray that every person got something from this, and I pray that every, every person received something from the, from the uh, service that's going to happen at 11. God, think through our pastor's thoughts. Speak through his vocal cords. Give, anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive the words that he's going to give us. God, let us be sensitive to your leading. Let us be sensitive to your spirit. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.